Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. have a fantastic uh, broadcast coming up for you tonight. For those that are watching us live through the Connected Universe portal, connecteduniverseportal.com. This is your interactive class for the week. Yes, we're back on Wednesday. So I know I said for the next couple of months we're going to be going live on Thursdays. And I kind of changed that up. You know, because I was taking a class on uh, Wednesday evenings and it wasn't as interactive as I thought. And there is a recording that I'll be able to, to watch later on to get all that information. So I know that uh, uh, some of you had expressed a, uh, I don't want to say displeasure, but you said if, uh, Thursday wasn't really going to work out for you. Like, uh, you know, Tom McNicholas and a couple of others. And uh, we want to make sure that as many people as possible, of course, can uh, get the show. So uh, and there's Tom. Great to see you, buddy. All right. So this evening, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, is kind of inspired by the fact that we had Rick Doty on, Richard Doty on last night on Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Now, he was a counterintelligence agent for uh, the Air Force Office of uh, Special Investigations, AFOSI. Uh, and he spent time at Area 51. And so we talked a lot about those different things last night. And so we're going to get into some of those other things this evening. Our primary topic is disclosure. Uh, what is the government hiding from us? Because you know, I think we've long known now that, you know, UFOs, extraterrestrials are, are basically, they are a real thing. Which reports are true and which ones are not that's what we're not really sure about and it's created a lot of confusion which is you know pretty much what the government wants and we were talking about that with with Rick last night so but before we get into all of that and that's the one thing I forgot to, to post here is the uh, or put together here was the the meme that I posted out here on uh, connected universe earlier today. I'm going to try to get those out like the day beforehand, but uh, it's been kind of busy here. But basically the meme question, I know those of you listening to the podcast later can't see the graphics uh, and, and those listening uh, on our uh, syndicated shows later on like KGRA. Uh, KPNL is uh, going to be a new uh, syndicated broadcast here too, so that's fantastic. Uh, I know you won't be able to see those, but that's all the more reason to come out to ConnectUniversePortal.com sign up for the membership and get the the live class as well as uh everything else that we have going on like uh, all the egypt information the, the monthly q a videos the behind the scenes videos the sneak peeks all that wonder stuff wonderful stuff the mike's morning mug videos and everything else so uh so come on out and join us for this so the meme question was if the government would come completely clean What's the UFO incident you most want answers about? And so we had some responses to that, and I'm going to go ahead and share those. I think you guys kind of like this, That uh, and, and I have to thank Nicole for uh, uh, giving this suggestion, putting these memes together, asking a question, and then sharing uh, those responses at the beginning of the show here. So uh, the first one was from our friend Mark Anthony, Psychic Explorer. And uh, his response was Roswell, of course, but what about the abduction of Calvin Parker? So for those of you real quick who uh, are not familiar with the case, it was a 1973 case. Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson uh, basically were abducted during a fishing trip in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh, that is, Parker's the younger guy in this photo, and Charles Hickson is the uh, older gentleman. Now, this was not just a, you know, kind of a one-off. It was, it was not just uh 
them who would, who would witness this. Now, they were abducted, but 50 others claimed to have seen something in the sky that night. The police believe these guys, and just last year, a recording of their interview with the sheriff has surfaced. So uh, Mark would uh, really like to have some additional information about this particular case. It's certainly intriguing. Next one was uh, from Anne Celine. Uh, she said, I don't know if this counts, but I would like the truth about Indrid Cold. Now, Indrid Cold, uh, some uh, basically artwork and then, you know, a guy kind of playing dress up here. Uh, this is basically Mothman uh, lore. Uh, he was, he's known as the Grinning Man. Uh, first reported by Woodrow Derenberger in 1966. Now, we kind of associate this with, uh, you know, uh, UFO observations because there have been, this is around Point Pleasant, West Virginia. There have been UFO sightings around there. Of course, there's uh, the Mothman sightings, the Silver Bridge accident. They have all the Mothman uh, uh, celebrations there uh, every year. Of course, you had the Mothman Prophecies movie, but there have also been, uh, reports of Men in Black there. And so we're going to get into Men in Black uh, a little bit later here this evening. But real quick, like I said, I had a lot of books over here. There's uh, Mothman Prophecies here. And just real quick, a description here uh, from the chapter, The Cold Who Came Down in the Rain. And uh, this is from 1966. And there was, uh, it was basically talking in part telepathically telepathically to Woodrow Derenberger. And this is kind of what he said. Don't be afraid. Uh, the grinning man did not speak out loud. Woody sensed the words. We mean you no harm. I come from a country much less powerful than yours. He asked for Woody's name. Woody told him. My name is Cold. I sleep, breathe, and bleed even as you do. Mr. Cold nodded toward the lights of Parkersburg in the distance and asked what kind of place it was. Woody tried to explain it was a center for business and homes, a city. In his world, Cold explained, such places were called gatherings. So uh, so people have always really wondered who exactly Injured Cold was. Now, the, the movie with Richard Gere kind of uh, painted that much differently than a number of the reports, but that's, uh, that's Hollywood for you. And then Tom... Uh, and his response to this, you know, what's the UFO incident you most want answers about? Uh, it's kind of a little bit more general uh, question, but it's good. And I talk about this, these types of things quite a bit. Uh, Tom asks, are shadow people really aliens? And did they find portals that people can travel across time or through a parallel dimension? So uh, that is a great question. So here's kind of shadow men in black uh, sort of thing. Again, we'll talk about more about men in black later. There is a possibility, and I believe that some shadow people are really extraterrestrials. I gave a presentation about that at the uh, Laughlin UFO Mega Conference, and in my just kind of general shadow person presentations, I throw that out there as a possibility. Are, are some shadow people aliens? And like with Albert K. Bender, another book I'm going to throw at you here, uh, Flying Saucers and, and the Three Men. Now, he reported in the ninth, well, he actually reported in the 60s, but his experience goes back to the 1950s, in which he had these three uh, basically hat-wearing uh, shadow entities basically morph into his room. They materialized through the wall. Now, who Albert K. Bender was, real quick, 
He headed up the International Flying Saucer Bureau beginning in 1952. He started up that organization. It went worldwide immediately, and then all of a sudden, a year later, boom, he just ended the whole thing. And people wondered why for years and years and years, and he finally revealed that during the 60s in this book. And so basically what he said was that these three hat-wearing uh, men materialized into his room. They were wearing the hats. They were shadowy in nature. They had glowing eyes. Uh, and he believed that they were actually ETs. Now, I read the account, of course, and thought, okay, these are shadow entities. These are, you know, type of reports that I hear about, like, you know, the hat man type of thing. Other people would call them the men in black. So who really were they? And that's that's a big question. So to answer the first question, Tom, yes, I do believe some are, are aliens. Uh, do they use portals to travel across time or through parallel dimensions? I believe uh, some ETs do uh, and ha do have that technology. They have harnessed that technology that they were able to uh, travel here from other dimensions, other uh, places in space, time, or even you know across the universe, across our you know this dimension. Uh, they've they've harnessed that technology to be able to do so. And so we kind of talked about that a bit when uh, on our Stargate uh, show that or class that we did uh, the other week. So, all right, so let's get into uh, this evening's discussion, which is UFO disclosure, what is the government hiding? Uh, <laughs> and, and Anne asks here, uh, my next question would be, uh, if you, Mike, were able to meet him, cold, injured cold, would you take that opportunity? Absolutely. Uh, would certainly uh, love to have an interaction with him. So, all right. What is the government hiding? Now, this is something I was not able to address when the UAP report came out back in June. Um, I wasn't able to address that because I was in Egypt at the time. It came out June 25th. And since I've been back, we've been discussing Egypt. You know, we had the, uh, you know, those, those three primary classes on uh you know, pyramids, temples, we talked about stargates in there, we talked about Atlantis. We're going to be getting more next week into uh, the to ancient symbolism. Again, I wanted to take this week to piggyback off of uh, the discussion we had with Richard uh, last night. So, and plus the fact that I haven't been able to address this yet because I was out of the country. So, the big disclosure document, which was not really disclosure, that came out back on June 25th. This was the government's UAP report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. It was a prelim preliminary assessment. Uh, there have been reports of a classified document. This is an unclassified, uh, what we were given on the 25th. There have been reports that there would be an actual uh, classified document in number of pages ranging anywhere from like 75 to 400 I don't even know if there is truly a, a classified document out there. It's just kind of been hitting the, uh, the rumor mill, really. Uh, but let me give you a couple of, uh, of snippets from this thing because basically, okay, this is nine pages. That's all it is, just nine pages, and it really doesn't say anything. Uh, you know, they have a, a section there called UAP, probably lack a single explanation. Now, UAP is the new term. Uh, they're getting away from uh, UFO, unidentified flying object, and calling it UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, I, I think in part, 
they're trying to get away from the stigma of UFO and what that has meant for, you know, since basically the 1940s, 1950s. They're trying to get away from that stigma and give it a new term. So we'll come up with UAP. And maybe it sounds a little more professional or whatever. And maybe it won't get, you know, so many chuckles you know, when somebody from the military or our government tries talking about it. So this was there from their document. Um, I have a couple of snippets that I want to read, but basically, you know, they have a section titled UAP probably lack a single explanation, which states uh, with the exception of one instance where we determined with high confidence that the reported UAP was airborne clutter, specifically a deflating balloon. We currently lack sufficient information in our data set to attribute incidents to specific explanations. In other words, what they're saying is, yeah, there's stuff out there and we have no idea what it is, which, and they're not stating that it's extraterrestrial. They're just like, there's stuff in the air and we don't know what it is, but we already knew that. You know, we've seen some of these video clips of unidentified flying objects from the Navy and other sources that the government has at least said, we don't know what it is, which is a bit of a step in the right direction, but they're not you know, willing to come out and say anything more about it. And this report is, you know, just basically, we don't know, or, or at least we're not going to tell you. A couple other gems from this. Um, we currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. It also says these observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. So yeah, our sensors may be off and we do need to do more testing. Um, there was a wide variability in the reports and the data set is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis. And that's BS. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, and the limited amount of high-quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. So where I'm calling BS was wide variability in the reports, and the data set is currently too limited. So I'm going to talk about briefly talk about Project Blue Book here in a little bit, but the whole idea of limited availability now. They're taking these reports from the early 2000s. We've been getting reports about, well, we've been getting reports all the time about strange aerial phenomenon, um, but significantly so since the late 1940s when people started reporting flying saucers in, in the like back then. Even prior to then, though, there were reports of unidentified flying objects. It just wasn't as popular, wasn't as, I don't know, prevalent, or maybe whoever's flying in the air, uh, you know, wasn't, um, you know, wasn't coming by the planet uh, so much earlier. We don't know. Now, is some of it military testing? Now, this, this is another thing, is that um, people try to find, like, one single answer, like, you know, is, are these unidentified flying objects ETs? And they, if one is no, then they must all be no. And conversely, you know, those that, a lot of people that say, well, yes, then they're all a yes. And then you have some people say, well, it's all military testing, um, you know, and things like that. So 
I think it's a variety. Some of them are ETs. Some of them are military testing. Some of them may be time travelers. There are some people that are adamant that every single uh, unidentified flying object that we're seeing out there is some sort of time machine, really. That you know, people from the future, humans from the future, coming back into the past, and that's what we're witnessing. Some of them, I can't sit here and say all of them. Um, good question here from Ann. Do you think the government has a 5, 10, 20, et cetera, a year plan to slowly integrate the truth of other ETs? So to a degree, yes, there is a bit of that. And we talked with Rick last night a little bit about that and the fact that you know they have used Hollywood. The government has used Hollywood to kind of you know, get us accustomed to the ideas of, you know, there being extraterrestrials, that there are you know, people coming from other planets or other dimensions onto our planet or into our dimension. And, you know, you ask anybody, I don't know, I guess maybe under the age of 60 at this point, um, maybe even under the age of 70, you know, are UFO reals? Are UFOs real? Are extraterrestri extraterrestrials real? And they'll Probably, you know, 90% of them will say yes. Uh, it's kind of the much older ones that, um, you know, that kind of scoff at that notion. But we've been more acclimated. I mean, I've been watching alien movies since I was a little kid. You know, it's 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 kind of old hat to me, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, there are other life forms out there. And so we're going to get into uh, real quickly here. This kind of actually does... Uh, lead into uh, the next part of my uh, discussion here. And that is the the Fermi Paradox. So this is actually from, we talked a little bit about paradoxes uh, the other week. And this is a part of my paradox video that, that I actually mentioned in that class as well. And, uh, you know, Nicola tossed the link up there, which was fantastic. So the Fermi Paradox, what this is, is the apparent contradiction in the perceived lack of evidence of extraterrestrial life and the high estimates that extraterrestrial life throughout the universe actually exists. And I say perceived lack of evidence since there are plenty of people in the UFO community that have made the case for ET visitations. Um, but the, the problem with this is that uh, we haven't actually discovered extraterrestrials yet. So how can we say that there are high estimates of extraterrestrial life when we haven't supposedly discovered even one yet? Well, here's the thing. It's To me, it's perspective. And this is where I, I kind of say it's not really a paradox. It's a matter of perspective. And the perspective is that this idea that you know we are you know, you know we are the only that's not the right way to say it the perspective of looking outward from planet earth i mean yeah, i guess it is kind of looking at it from we're the center of the universe sort of idea um to any other celestial body in the heavens in space we are the extraterrestrials the only way we're not an extraterrestrial is if we're on Earth. So to everything else out in space, we're the extraterrestrials. So that means our one planet, if you're if we were even the only inhabited planet in our entire galaxy. Now, there's like 
250 billion, at least 250 billion solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy. And if we were only one, okay, that's great. There are, what's the number here? It's, it's ridiculous. There are 1 billion trillion stars. It's like one with a crap ton of zeros at the end of it uh, that we know of where there may be even, you know, of course, more and more planets than that. Um, so each star being a solar system. Now you do the math there uh, and you try to do an approximation, okay, per galaxy, you know, how many possible planets could there be? And if you say, okay, there's one per 250 billion stars, you know, we're, there are still going to be billions of planets out there with life if you just work out the math a little bit. So so to me, it's a matter of, of perspective that from anywhere else, we're extraterrestrials. You know, we're at least one in this galaxy. You know, how many other galaxies and planets are there out there? Inevitably, um, there's going to be more. So again, it's not, it's not really a paradox. So given that, and that we are not alone in this universe, we're just not. What's the problem that the government has in revealing to us some details about extraterrestrials, crashed UFOs, UFOs that are, or UAPs, that are flying through our skies at night, why is there this just adamant, we're not going to reveal any information to you? Um, to, I guess, you know, for me, it would be a sense of, okay, you know, we're, we're not crazy. You know, there is something legitimate to all this activity that's going on that people are reporting. I mean, yeah, you have a mixed bag out there. Uh, you do have people that, Sure, some people are off their rockers and everything that they see in their life, they could be looking at, right now I'm looking at a calendar on the wall with sticky notes. You know, they could be looking at, you know, the sticky note and thinking that it's a portal to another dimension. You have people like that. Um, and uh, you also have people that just straight up make stuff up because, you know, they want their 15 minutes of fame on TV. That happens. But there are plenty of people out there that are... They see these things. They have visitations. Um, you know, some people get abducted. It happens. Um, so why can't we finally give those people their peace of mind that, okay, I am not actually crazy. I did have this experience. Stop telling me that I'm not. It's kind of the same thing that we talk about when we go down the road with ghosts and supernatural activity shadow people. People have these different various experiences. It's one of the reasons why I write about this subject and why I created so many videos and why I do these shows and everything is to, you know, help people with, you know, realizing you're not alone in all of this. Other people have had your experience, your same experiences. I've had some of these experiences, like the encounters with the paranormal books. I have, you know, stories in there from people from all over that it's like, okay, even if you can't relate to my experience, Here's all these other people that have had these different experiences. Maybe you relate to one of theirs. So kind of that same thing. Why can't they give us that little bit of peace of mind? And one of the, that I can't quite answer. Now, there was the 
Brookings report, but this was back in the 60s in which, you know, they did a study that basically stated if they were to reveal back then that, okay, UFOs, aliens were real, that it would create a mass panic. We just kind of discussed here a couple minutes ago that you're really not going to have so much of a panic these days because people have kind of been accustomed, accustomed to the idea of, you know, this stuff is out there. You know, it's it's been inundated into our, our popular culture. Now, would there be some people that would suddenly run to the store and, you know, buy up all the toilet paper like they did last year during COVID? Sure, you're probably going to have some of those people. But, you know, I don't think there's going to be like this massive crisis of faith in, you know, burning effigies in the street and it's going to be mass chaos. I don't think that's going to happen these days. But... Let's get a little into uh, the intelligence community like we were talking about with, with Rick last night. So many of you know that I spent some time at NSA. Rick spent time at uh, Air Force uh, Office of Special Investigations, and there's some overlap there where the different organizations will work, will work with each other. And one of the things that they work on, now NSA is a lot of surveillance, uh, Rick's job at uh, OSI was counterintelligence, so disinformation. And one of the things that uh, we spent some time explaining last night was uh, security clearance. So just kind of real quick, another refresher. So this, these are actually my orders from when I uh, PCS from Alaska to Fort Meade. And you can see here... Uh, over here, SSBI. So that's kind of the important part. There's, it's a top secret clearance. The SSBI are basically the uh, compartments that I would have access to on a need-to-know basis. And it's kind of, I think, an area that people get confused about when we talk about the different government organizations, what people have access to, and what people have seen. And this is where it kind of disinformation uh, comes into play here because I've seen uh, a lot of people kind of stand up there and say, well, in, in, you know, guys in this type of field that get up here, talk on a video or get on a television show or whatever and say, you know, even though that they didn't have a, a background, say a military background or what have you, uh, or something in the intelligence community, but they have an insider that they've talked with and their insider said this, that, or the other thing. You know, about what they saw while they were at, whether it was NSA or some other organization. And there's certain different things that I key in on. One of those is when they start talking about uh, different security clearances, when they're like, you know, I had, um, you know, 10th level security clearance or, or you know, something weird like that. And it's like, that's not how they work. There's different compartments, um, but level is not really a term there. Um, or some people will just say, yeah, I had an insider with a top secret security clearance. And it's like, well, a, a top secret security clearance doesn't get you access to everything. You don't just walk into a room and say, well, I got a top secret clearance. Let me take a look at that. Um, you would have to, one, uh, be authorized for that compartment to even access, to even have a chance to access the room. But then you would have to have a what they call a need to know to get in there as well. So even if you have a top secret clearance, and you have the ability to be able to be cleared for that compartment, if you don't have the need to be in there, you're not going to get access to it. So, for example, 
I worked at NSA. Uh, my job there was primarily uh, network and systems administration. So I worked on their computers. I basically supported the, the spies uh, on their computers. Now, while I would troubleshoot network problems, uh, software issues, install new operating systems, install software, all of that stuff. What I could not do was actually log into the software that they used and start playing around. I could install it and make sure that they could log in, but I didn't have the need to get in there into the software myself and start doing stuff. So even though I was cleared for it, technically speaking, because I was you know, top secret, had the right compartment, I even installed software, I couldn't get in there and touch it uh, and, and actually interact with it. So you have to be really careful with what people say. And so some of this becomes these different disinformation tactics. Some of them are just things that people are, are making up. So uh, let me take a look at your comments here real quick. Um, so Tom has a question here. If you encountered an ET, what would your best question, uh, what would be your best question you would ask them? You know, that's a really interesting question, Tom, because um, there's a lot of things that I would want to know. Um, you know, I would, one of the things I'd probably ask them is if there was a way I could go visit their uh, their planet, you know, the, the place that they're from. Um, I, I would want to know about that. I would want to know about time travel and, and traveling interstellarly. Um, if there's a way, hey, can I at least see some photos of your home world? You know, something like that. I mean, basically, I want to somehow, some way, be able to see and experience where they come from. Um, I, I think that would be absolutely amazing uh, to be able to do that. So, um, let's see, and on a spiritual religious level, it might cause uproar. People would uh, no longer trust their government. See, I don't necessarily believe that they wouldn't trust the government uh, with that. What what they can't do is, and see, I think this is why they're um, keeping this to today, like, the, you know, since the, the early 2000s, that this UAP report has nothing to do with what happened, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. They're trying to distance themselves from that because what they can't do is come back and say, we lied to you all those years. They can't do that. That's where they would not trust the government. Uh, and most people already don't trust the government anyway. Uh, but if they said to the people, we've been lying to you all this time, believe us now, they would have a problem with that. So by them coming out with this report, even though it says nothing, it's kind of almost like a, almost like a good faith uh, you know, toss that we're throwing out there. Hey, we're at least looking into something. We're at least doing a little bit here. And we're acknowledging there are things out there that we can't explain. Um, so it's like tossing us a cookie, right? But only taking it from the 2000s on. And I, I think in a way that kind of sets up what they may end up disclosing later or as things, because we, we are able to more legitimately um, record things and prove things ourselves now. So, you know, 50 years ago, if you took a photo or maybe you even had like a, you know, eight millimeter camera that you're shooting something on, a lot of times it was grainy or blurry or you couldn't get the lighting right. Our technology now is such that, you know, people have, you know, their phones in their pockets 
and they're seeing all this phenomena at night and they're able to you know take recordings of it and throw it out on the the internet immediately um and so there's a lot more that's coming out there especially you know people that you know multiple people witnessing the same event all from like different angles and, and what have you so um I, I think they have to start throwing us some some cookies but they're it's like their attitude is whatever happened before the year 2000 we're, we're not talking about it. it's almost like it didn't happen uh, but from 2000 and on okay there's some things that we've seen and witnessed and it is something I wanted to, uh, to talk about a little bit. I'm going to skip over MIBs for a moment. Maybe we'll, we'll come back to it. We're halfway through the show, so we, sat, we have some time. Um, Project Blue Book. Now, with Project Blue Book, this uh, government operation, primarily U.S. Air Force, uh, some civilians involved, like J. Allen Hynek, began technically in 1952, ran through 1969. Uh, it's preceded by Operation Grudge and Operation Sign. Um, and people are, this is a, a clip from the, the television show, um, which if you haven't yet signed the petition, uh, for season three on that, uh, it was a great show. It was basically like history, one of history channels, best running shows that they had on there, like, you know, even ratings wise, but they decided to get away from scripted television and, and dropped it. Um, so there's a petition out there, to try to get it on another network. In any case, that aside, um, you know, Project Blue Book, uh, people will recognize J. J. Allen Hynek. Uh, you know, he's kind of the, the face of, of Project Blue Book. And the show, of course, uh, recounts his experiences. Captain Quinn on the show is a fictional character. He's kind of an amalgamation of, of several people that Hynek uh, worked with. Uh, primarily uh, the, the Captain Rupelt uh, that worked with him early on and then others along the way. Uh, but Heineck, and, and people may recognize him also from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, he had a brief cameo in there. But he's the one that actually came up with the, uh, the Close Encounters terminology and, you know, first, second, third, and all those. He, he came up with those definitions. And early on, he didn't believe in uh, UFOs being anything other than something that could be explained by... Uh, the environment, the military, whatever. Uh, but over time, just from his observations and his studies, he ended up saying, yeah, uh, many of these things are actually legitimate. Now, out of over 12,000 cases, it was like 12,600, there are 701 that could not be explained. 700 that could not be explained. Our current UIP report, of course, they're not even looking back at that at all. And that's just from Blue Book. There are ones from Grudge and Sign that also could not be explained. So we're not even counting those. With Blue Book, it's, it's 700. But the current UIP report from the government is not even touching those at all. They're just from early 2000s and on. Um, I think, what did it say? Like 138 uh, something like that, uh, different cases that they are looking at. So it's just a handful. I mean, it's certainly not all the cases that have been reported since that time. I mean, you could go into like the MUFON uh, database and find thousands and thousands of uh, people who have reported some sort of UFO sighting or 
some sort of extraterrestrial interaction or being abducted, etc. Thousands since that time. But, you know, our government was looking at, uh, I think it was like 130, 130, something like that. I don't have the number in front of me. So we have all these open cases. Now, where the MIBs come into play, we'll get back to MIBs here uh, real quick. And because many people have reported, especially back in the day when Project Blue Book uh, was in full swing, people re- reported these strange men in black that would show up after these different sightings. This, this particular uh, shot here is actually from a hotel uh, there at Niagara Falls that there had been a UFO sighting. These two uh, men in the suits wearing the hats came in looking for the witness and um, and I guess the hotel manager, they weren't available. They talked to somebody there uh, at the desk and then ended up walking out. So not for sure exactly who they were, but a lot of people speculate these were actually the the men in black. Um, and we, we talked men in black um I think it was back in April or May. So we had a, a more extensive class uh, on that. We did it more toward, you know, shadow, hat-wearing shadow entities versus versus men in black um, and, and the differences between there. But we did briefly talk about uh, men in black last night with Rick Doty and what they actually are because they do exist. Now, people will say, uh, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a running joke about, you know, was I... A man in black because there were times while working for NSA that we had to go off site and we would go to locations that were they were hidden in plain sight so you know like a little they'd be out there on a little strip mall or whatever um, so we couldn't be in our you know military garb because then people would you know know okay this is a you know something associated with the military uh, so we would dress in the black suits and the tie and all that and head to this location and check in and you know there'd be a vault way back in there um, but basically it was like, it was a, it was a front. So people would say, okay, so there were times that I was a man in black, but, but I wasn't, that, that's not what a, a man in black is. Um, and then, you know, like Rick said last night, he worked for OF, AFOSI, he was not a man in black. There is actually a group of people who are the men in black, quote unquote, men in black. There are women in black too, by the way. Um, and they are still. They come out of Fort Belvoir, and they are what they are is a special access team. So, uh, you watch last night's interview with with Rick. He kind of uh, explained a little bit how there were times that he interacted with the Men in Black because if for if for some reason uh, OSI couldn't whether they could get the information out of the person they were talking to or find the photographs or whatever it is that they were in the middle of doing. The men in black were almost kind of like the heavy on that. You know, they might use some intimidation tactics. They might break into a location and steal the photographs. Um, you know, they might have some, you know, there are different different jobs there. They might have some master of disguises. They, you know, whatever. Um, you know, a, a lot of different facets. They would have some special uh, talents that they would use for whatever their particular job was. And so they do exist. Um, and again, we talked to Albert K. Bender at the beginning of the show in responses to Tom's question. 
So I do think that we witness and observe things that are very similar to each other sometimes, but there's multiple answers for it. And so these type of characters have, there are multiple kinds. So there is what we call the men in black, which is you know part of a, I guess you'd say a shadowy government agency that does things like this. Um, you know, whether it's disinformation or trying to get answers or, you know, they need to uh, persuade somebody into something, whatever it is. There are people that work in that capacity. Then there are the ones that are the shadow entities, and then there are the ones that are the ETs. There, it just depends on which one you're actually talking about. So we do have these guys. Another thing that... Uh, that the government does have, and I see some comments rolling in again. Um, and, and that's kind of, yeah, here's here's Anne's question. Do you believe all men in black are human or some could be ET that look like us? Yeah, so it's, and I kind of just answered that. It's a, uh, you know, it, it's a mixer. It just depends on which one you're actually talking about. So the ones that, um, like the ones that Albert K. Bender witnessed that, materialized into his room presumably through the wall and in his experience they they actually took him to another location and showed him some of their operations so he believed that they were ETs and that's fine I do believe some are ETs and like I said some are the kind of interdimensional shadow entities so uh, the ones that are you know specifically human um you know, those are shadowy government agents. So the other thing that I want to briefly talk about, uh, remote viewing. So between, okay, you have all these different UFO, UFO reports that are coming in. The government has now uh, acknowledged that at least there are things out there that we can't identify. They were running operations like uh, Project Blue Book for, I mean, basically two decades. Uh, you know, they ran that grudge and sign. Uh, so they were, you know, actively involved in seeking out this uh, phenomenon. And you have other uh, government projects like SETI, which are which is searching for extraterrestrial life out in the universe. So they're actively looking for it. You know, there are some things that they are admitted they have admitted we are doing this, we are doing that. Sometimes they get caught in some things. Uh, another thing that they uh, have actively done over the year, over the years, uh, many of you have probably heard of Project Stargate. And now we're not talking about the Stargates; we were talking about the other week that take us to other uh, areas of the universe. This is actually a project that deals with remote viewing. So this deals with people who have the ability, and this would be. Um, um, you know, basically psychics and people that have psychic abilities to be able to view other areas of the world. And they've ran this project for many, many years. There's, it was actually, these were projects that were of many different names. And in the early 90s, they basically meshed all the data uh, from all these different projects into one set and they called that Project Stargate. Uh, but their primary focus was in let's spy on the enemy. You know, let's spy on 
Russia. You know, let's see what we can pick up from different military targets. I mean, this was during the, the Cold War. So that was their primary focus. But there were times that these remote viewers would pick up on other things. And one of those individuals uh, was named Pat Price. Now, he, uh, he had worked for the, the police. He was actually police commissioner for a number of years. He kind of retired from that. But he had this ability, and he said this, this ability uh, worked, worked for him very well when he uh, was a police commissioner uh, to remote view. And so I'm not going to get into all the history of remote viewing, but what's interesting is sometimes when they would remote view, they would pick up on different extraterrestrial installations. And so I've included this as part of my uh, research for the Alaska Triangle book. We actually talked about this on the Alaska Triangle television show. And here's actually a uh, report. It actually... Uh, mentions three different locations here. Uh, the, the one that I'm specifically focusing on, of course, is Mount Hayes, which is Alaska. This is from January 28th, 1987, Description of Personnel Associated with ET Bases. It's a 12-page document. I don't know how well you can see it at the top, uh, but this was a CIA document released uh, in 2017. And it states, uh, Mount Hayes, there appeared to be two types of entities associated with this site. The two entities located outside of the structure were accomplishing some sort of routine task, unable to make contact with them or gain information of any sort. Inside the structure were two entities, one sitting at some sort of circular council with a round screen-like object. The other was busy doing something in the background. The entity at the council appeared to be human in form, but lacked definitive facial features. He seemed friendly enough and invited me to observe his actions at the council. So what's interesting is that the, the entity that's there, uh, some sort of extraterrestrial. Now, this is supposed to be uh, an extraterrestrial base that's inside Mount Hayes. But what's interesting is that this ET actually picked up on the fact that uh, Pat Price was viewing him. He he. However that happened, uh, whether it was some other uh, ability that the ET had uh, to be able to sense that uh, he was being viewed remotely, uh, and then invited Pat to observe the actions at the council, uh, which was kind of interesting. What's, what's interesting also to note about this is, uh, as I was doing this research, because I had, uh, of course, through the show, uh, had been familiar with this story. And, of course, I'm using elements from the show uh, as part of my research to, okay, here's a topic that we covered. Let's dive down that rabbit hole and, you know, dig up more. Uh, and, you know, the book is not just the show as a book. You know, we are, I am going to, of course, cover some of those topics from the show, and I'm including other ones. This one with Mount Hayes is a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, there have been, of course, UFO reports in the area. I say in the area, but you're talking at least 30 miles away. Uh, Mount Hayes is not accessible by road. It's extremely remote. The only thing you can do is fly there and basically land the plane on a glacier. Um, Fort Greeley is in the area 30 miles away. Um, there have been people from there in the nearby town of uh, Delta Junction that have reported UFO sightings in the area. 
So whether, you know, they may be related to, of course, Mount Hayes. So I'm doing the research for this, for these documents. And, you know, there are uh, a number of different websites and articles that for this document that I just showed you right here, um, mentioned this. Uh, you know, they included you know, some snippets uh, from the paragraph that I just read uh, and had a link to the document on the CIA website. So any of the documents that's a, that the CIA has released through a uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, request, they have a kind of quote-unquote reading room on their website where you can look up these documents and you can read them online. And so these different articles had links to that document. The interesting thing is, however, is that the document is no longer on the CIA website. It's no longer in the reading room. So you click on that link, it's broken. It takes you to the reading room page where there's a search bar. You can put in, and if you look on here, um, that CIA-RDP-96- and then that whole long number, that's the actual document number. What you should be able to do is take that document number. I mean, you can do search terms, of course, and just do you know, like Mount Hayes, ET, all that. And that, just using those search terms, should be able to bring up that document, which it wasn't. The other thing you can do is put that document number into the search bar. And of course, it would bring up, boom, that document right then and there. And of course, you can do that for you know all different documents that they have out there. So even putting in that document ID number, it would not come up. That document has been removed from the CIA website. I was able to find it because, lo and behold, archive.org <laughs> the internet web archive actually still had it up uh on their site it you know through their web crawler how they grab all the pages and documents all kinds of stuff that's out there they still had it so i was able to actually grab the document even though the cia didn't have it anymore so my question becomes why did the cia remove it from their site you know, it's not really a big secret. I mean, we covered it on a television show. Um, we we know, I mean, Project Stargate has been referenced in all kinds of books, uh, all kinds of other television shows, Ancient Aliens, um, it could, you know, Laundry List, uh, Remote Viewing itself. I mean, here's the book, uh, Jim, Jim Schnabel. Uh, remote viewers, secret history of America's psychic spies, um, talks extensively about Pat Price in here. Uh, it doesn't really get into the Mount Hay stuff so much. It, it briefly mentions it. Uh, it's more it's more about the uh, you know spying on on Russia, the, the government side of it, rather than ETs. Uh, but does briefly mention it in there. So this is a well known fact um, about this this project. And you can look up other documents. Um, about Project Stargate on there. Uh, in fact, they have an extensive number of documents and drawings that reviewers had made and you know, all kinds of stuff. 
why is this one? Why has this one been removed? Um, you know, some people could say, well, maybe it was just, you know, an error. Maybe something happened with one of their servers. I mean, I've gone back several times now over months and it's still not there. So they're not looking to restore it, apparently. Um, so could it be some sort of just technical glitch or error or whatever? Maybe. Um, a lot of other stuff seems to be coming up just fine. So I find it a little a little weird um, because you try to find you know other stuff on there for Mount Hayes and you're not really finding a whole lot. Like I said, I had to find that one out the Internet Archive. So getting down to the uh, end of the show here. So what is it that the government is willing to reveal to us. I've hit a number of different topics here uh, between what I was just talking with the, with the remote viewing, whether it was Men in Black, Project Blue Book, the current UAP report, a um, lot of different things here. Primarily, it seems to me that they're trying to create confusion. Um, you know, they, they toss us a cookie here with the UAP report. Again, they can't admit that they lied to us, um, even though not too many people really trust the government anyway. Uh, but they can't outright admit we've been lying to you for, for decades. Um, but I think they're trying to create enough confusion that any answer that we think we may get will have the waters muddied. And again, with, with Rick last night, him being a disinformation agent, uh, counterintelligence agent for uh, OSI there for so many years. You know, he, you know, he's telling us last night, that's essentially what they want. You know, you can sift through it and there's going to be, there are going to be facts in there. Absolutely, there, you know, uh, many things have happened. Many things are true. Um, but there's so much infighting within the community. If somebody will write a book here, Somebody else will write a book there. They both contradict each other. They may even slam each other. Um, you'll see at some of these conferences where, you know, people will argue and, you know, fight and um, it just, it gets absurd. So, but that's what they want, um, that you have a million different ideas that all contradict each other and people fight amongst themselves and, you know, kind of the, the mainstream just shrugs their shoulders and say, well, look what a mess that is. Um so that's kind of the tactic. You know, what the government knows, I can't really specifically say what the government knows. <laughs> um, because you do have these different installations that, I mean, basically you hear the stories, right? You hear the stories about uh, UFOs that have crashed. Uh, ETs that have been contacted, that you know, we may have some working arrangements with ETs, that we may have reverse engine, engineered ET technology, that maybe that's where some of our modern technology comes from, and that in some areas we haven't progressed uh, as much as we should have because we haven't found the next piece of technology. You know, um, Some of that is true. Some of the other stories are not. And that's where I was saying that you know, they want us to be confused in that matter but they know they at least know that there are other 
life forms out there. I wholeheartedly believe that through and through. And although I can't speak specifically to some different things, just my little bit of time at NSA, you do a little poking around um, and seeing what, even though, like I explained at the beginning, you don't have the need to know to get into certain areas. When you have an interest in something, you do a little poking around and see what, okay, what can I at least get on the surface level of um, and you at least see that, okay, they, they have some programs set up and they're at least looking into different things. They are at least acknowledging that it's there. Um, even though at least at my need to know level, I couldn't get specifics, of course, you know, otherwise they wouldn't spend, you know, millions and billions of dollars on technology to, you know, try to find other things out there or, um, or try to enhance things that they're already doing here. I guess it's kind of a roundabout sort of way to put it. Um, and so like Ann says here, another idea could be what if they're working with other ETs is the, uh, is the ETs that don't think we are ready. So there's that idea as as well. Um, and there was a meme that I posted last year of um, of the alien kind of pointing at the humans in you know with the empty store racks and saying, "See this, you know, this garbage with the uh, with the toilet paper is why you people can't be told about aliens." Um, you know, is it the ETs saying we're not ready yet? You know, if I was the ETs and knowing how corrupt the governments of our planet are, I wouldn't trust them. I would actually trust the people more than I would trust the uh, the governments. So I, I do believe that there is contact between... Also keep in mind, it's not just our government. I think that's... I think that's a uh, misperception by a lot of people here in the United States. And I know some people listening to the podcast later uh, will you know, will be in other countries, but the, I will say there's like almost a bit of an arrogance of, uh, with, uh, with Americans in that we almost seem to think that you know, UFO sightings only happen around here. I mean, we may hear of, of other locations, but like when it comes to like crashes and ET contact and things like that, it always seems to be taken from the perspective of the American government. Well, other countries and other governments have had contact with with these things as well. You know, China, Russia. Um, you know, Rick kind of rattled off a couple others like Israel and South Africa and um, you know, Germany. So, you know, other countries are, are having interactions and uh, with these things as well, or or they've experienced you know uh, crashes of of UFOs. So it's it's worldwide. So, you know, what happens when a, uh, an extraterrestrial comes here from somewhere else, contacts, makes contact with another country and their government rather than the U.S.? Um, that, could, that could certainly happen. I do think that there is contact between us and ETs, that that's already going on. Um, what those arrangements are, what they're... You know, any deals that they've made, I have 
I have no idea. But I believe that there is some sort of contact made. I do believe that we've been reverse engineering whatever ET technology we've, we've been able to get our hands on. And that's why we have some of the technology that we do today. Um, and so that becomes, of course, very, very important for, uh, for the country. And I understand the perspective of... Um, you know, of, of national defense um, and, and keeping national secrets and, and all of that. Totally get it. You know, if, um, you know, we, we do have enemies around the world and we don't want them getting a hold of that and getting the upper hand on us. I totally understand that. Um, I think that they could give us more than just this bland, you know, UAP report of, well, we can't explain some of this stuff. Come on, guys. We know you got more than that. And Tom, that's kind of that's kind of the point that I was making. Well, why do you think the alien ET would trust our government over the citizens? I don't necessarily know if it's trust. I mean, I, I like I was saying, you know, there's certainly regular people out there that I would trust a heck of a lot more than I would our politicians. But when you're negotiating, um, you know, with a you know, let's say we land on another planet. Uh, you know, there are things that we're going to certainly learn from the general populace, but if we're looking to establish trade, um, you know, if we're looking to, you know, gain knowledge, uh, you know, interact in some sort of, of commerce with them, you know, that sort of thing, it's going to be the government officials will have to interact with and set up those agreements. Uh, you know, so we would, we would, you know, have to, uh, make contact with with the government and not just the people. Although, and this is where I get get into the idea that you know some of the shadow people that we interact with are uh, ETs. Now, I think before we make some of that contact, that we're going to watch and observe, you know, how these people live, work, play, and how their government is set up. We're going to want to learn more about their environment and all those things. So. Instead of just landing me, hey, we're here, how you doing? Um, we're going to watch and observe first and learn so that we're prepared before we go down and introduce ourselves. So that could be where some of these different, uh, you know, some of the different shadow people sightings are, um, if, if they are actually ETs. Some of the uh, UAPs, UFOs, could certainly just be drones or probes that have come here to... Yeah, inspect our planet. Yeah, because we would do the same thing. We we shoot off. Uh, we we want to learn more about a particular planet. We're going to shoot off a probe or a drone to there, not immediately a human life. Yeah, I mean, think about you know all the things that we send to Mars. We haven't not yet sent a human there, but we have all of uh, these different pieces of machinery up there. So that could be with some of these different, uh, you know, some of these different. Uh, UFO sightings are so right, everybody I think that will wrap it up for this evening next week we're going to get back into our uh, discussion on uh, we're, we're going to get into ancient symbolism so we're going to dive back down uh, the rabbit hole of uh, you know of places like ancient Egypt and, and other cultures as well uh, we'll touch on a variety of different things but um Keep in mind that uh, even though this was kind of like a sidebar with you know extraterrestrials, ETs, UFOs, and all that, it's it's all related. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, you know 
the ancients, I believe that they also had you know some some interaction with with ETs and and UFOs. And so while I don't uh, subscribe to every bit of uh, the ancient astronaut theory, you know, ancient aliens, all that, I do believe there is certainly some some credence there. Uh, and there are have definitely been interactions between our ancient cultures and ETs. And of course, there's also the idea of you know, are we the ETs ourselves? Did we come from another planet? Were, were we some sort of genetic uh, project done by, by ET races? I mean, all those things are on the table. And over time, we'll discuss about some of those. So I do you know, believe uh, certainly some of that is true. How much of it is, we're not really sure, but we're going to explore all of those different things. All right, everybody, have a great night. Till next time.